Welcome to the Chain Effect Podcast, where a physical therapist and a dietitian married with two kids juggle the struggle of running a business, raising a family, and prioritizing our own health, all while trying to have as much fun as possible. We are your hosts, Taylor Pope, doctor of physical therapy, and Caroline Pope, registered dietitian. Together, we own and operate a health facility bringing together physical therapists, dietitians, personal trainers, and active recovery services to create what we call the chain effect. Today, we are going to talk about troubling trends and in insurance, some things, that, some things that we're seeing and some things that we're dealing with and how it's affecting not only our business, but the industries that we participate in or that we're experts in as a whole. Um, I think we're going to start off by talking about how telehealth really sort of saved us at a crucial moment. Um, a lot of businesses were really, you know, being affected obviously by the COVID-19 shutdowns Mm -hmm. and, um, our business, which has a lot of in-person services, physical therapy was deemed medically necessary, um, what was that called back, uh, in, back in the day? It was, but no one was coming in, you right? Know, what was it called though? It was something that had a different name. I don't I, remember. I remember, but we have a small gym and Wash so, you know. Wash away all those COVID memories. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of, we moved <laughs> on and life is almost back to normal kind of. I'll, I'll think of it, but, um, but we have a small gym and so of course that was shut down. People that was shut down for a long time and that was part of our profit and, physical therapy service and um, personal training services. We offer both of those in-house. And of course, you know, personal training wasn't deemed whatever. Medic, not medically, it's priority. I can't remember. Anyway, we'll remember it. But the reality is, is that with nutrition counseling, up until that point, we were 100% one-on-one in the office. Mm-hmm. That's and what was covered by insurance. And I th- remember this. I remember we you know, had a bigger trip planned uh, yeah. overseas right before Should we talk about Trump that? said. Should we talk about, tell that story? <laughs> yeah, we could tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> so I like to blame it. Let's start with this. We we blame, like blame, like blame, oh, okay. yeah, we blame uh, it on the pandemic. Okay. Yeah, we blame it on the pandemic. Okay. Blame it on the pandemic. So, Trump, the day before, I think two days before, we were going to France with our children. With our one. Yeah, or with, with, our, yeah, with our one son. Our oldest. And we and were wishy washy the whole time. We were back and forth. Should we go? Since should we January. not go? Well, we were watching, you know, the pandemic and saying, mm-hmm. oh, should we go? Should we not go? And we were set to fly out March 24th. And that was, or March 26th. It was like my no, birthday. No, no, the 15th. No, no, no. This was, this it was like the week. I think it was okay. the 14th, 15th, 16th, sometime in that week. And, you know, January is where you started hearing about some cases in different countries. And yeah, we were wishy-washy. We were talking to people we knew over in Paris. Things were being shut down. We just couldn't decide if we wanted to take that risk or, you know, what was going to happen. And then it was the day that Trump had the travel ban. Yeah, we I were came supposed home to from fly work. out. Yeah, like the next day. And I came home from work and Caroline met me at the car and said, We're not going. And I said, I know. Yeah, Trump had the Trump has the travel ban. And she said, No, my passport is expired. <laughs> it had expired the year before. I kept thinking it was that year. Of all the details, I mean, I am very detail oriented. Yeah. I've been packing, you know, on our spare bed, yeah. throwing stuff on the bed for three weeks, getting ready for every little detail of this trip, especially since we had a, a young child with us. And 
didn't think to look at my passport. Yeah. So anyways, I blame the pandemic, but it really was my fault. Yeah. So Travel ban <laughs> saved us from an awkward situation at the airport where Whew. we had everything going and nope, you're not going. And because of the pandemic, you know, we did get everything back. a lot of most everything. Yeah. Not, I think the Airbnbs couldn't refund everything, but most everything. So yeah. Anyways, but I remember instead of that, we went to the beach. You know, instead of that trip, everything was shut down. We couldn't work. We couldn't do anything. I mean, we couldn't see patients. And so we went to the beach for a few days, and we were waiting, waiting, waiting. I had heard that the North Carolina board was going to decide if you know, telehealth services might be covered by insurance, or they weren't going to decide, but it was in talks. And then... You know, our other dietitian on staff at that point, we were, you know, messaging each other. And finally we heard after, I don't know how many days, it seemed like a long time, but I feel like it was maybe just a it was week. less than a week. Yeah. Less than a week after the pandemic really was official in the U S and we were like, all right, here we go. Telehealth. Woo. That saved us. And, and it actually then, grew yeah, our then. nutrition business, you know, exponentially because People can do it from their own home. It's much more convenient. You don't have to take off as much work for the commute. Yeah. And so, you know, with that, we were able to expand and not only expand, you know, just we were able to hire more dietitians, obviously, and grow that part of the business. But we were also able to start working with a lot of communities that were underserved and see people that had been previously restricted by both time and space either they were too far away or, you know, lived in an area that didn't have any registered dietitians that they could go see, or they just work. And I mean, that's the, Mm -hmm. that's the big thing. A lot of people don't have time to take two or three hours out of their day, come to an in-person appointment, especially with the frequency that it takes to be successful, which, you know, we're big proponents in, you know, in the beginning meeting weekly and getting that accountability and getting those, you know, frequent check-ins. And you just can't do that if you have to be at work. And right. so people were able to do it on their lunch break or, you know, quickly after work or even... Before work, you know, we see some early morning appointments. Yeah, sometimes and, they're talking on the, their commute. So Yeah, so we were able to develop some relationships with more rural um, populations through doctors and um, different offices. And that has really you know, grown our business bigger than, you know, now we have more dietitians than physical therapists. And, um, and now, so now (laughs) what, what has changed? No, we're four years. Yeah. Four years removed removed from the pandemic. And luckily, uh, we are based in North Carolina. Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina has come out and said that they're going to honor telehealth, um, services sort of indefinitely. And so we do have, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of hope there that we're going to, you know, maintain that. But, you know, we're seeing more and more plans from other states, other Blue Cross Blue Shield states. Let's say, you know, someone's business is headquartered in Indiana and they have Anthem. You know, now we're seeing a lot of just interesting, troubling trends in these insurance uh, benefits when they're coming back. We're seeing um, that in-person visits are covered mm-hmm. at 100% just like telehealth have mm-hmm. been covered. But now if they want to do telehealth, there's a $4,000 deductible. To be th- met. And this is preventative care. So yeah. that seems ridiculous. And Blue Cross Blue Shield has always pr- prided itself in general on their commitment to preventative care. As with a lot of insurance companies, you know they see the value in obviously 
helping to accomplish nutrition goals for long-term health benefits, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, we're not talking about an expensive service. This isn't this isn't surgery. This mm-hmm. is, you know, typically, you know, re- it's not a three hundred and thirty dollar yeah. visit. Exactly, for the insurance company. It's exactly. not billed like that, like some doctors' visits. Yeah. So, you know, th- and it's just crazy to see that now. Um, you know, we're seeing those huge deductibles, and you know who it's going to affect the most is the working class people because mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to come in. You're still going to be able to have, you know, the people who are able to take that extended time or maybe they're lucky mm-hmm. enough to still work from home. They're going to be able to come in and, you know, take advantage of those services. But the people who, you know, really frankly need that assistance and support mm-hmm. just aren't going to be able to do it. And there's some other cases um, from some of our patients I believe that where there's COVID protocols, like when there are breakouts, even now in certain, if they work in hospitals or if they work in prisons, we've had some patients mm-hmm. where they are not, they're on lockdown, they're not allowed to go or they're not supposed to go anywhere except their home and to work for the people they work with and the patients and, and inmates and everything. So that's a case where virtual is perfect for them and they're not able to come in person. Mm-hmm. So we're we're seeing that more and more. We're hoping that, you know, there's going to be some legislation passed and that's basically where we're at where you know, you can force these providers to honor telehealth for certain services at the same rate as um in-person services. But you know, that is something that we're keeping a close eye on and unfortunately, I mean, our dietitians there, you know, we totally understand that there's certain services that require face-to-face meeting, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, it, we can do physical therapy, telehealth visits, but it's not the same. But what are you doing? It's not the same. Yeah. I mean, you can get, you can get some value there. And, you know, we did that a lot during the pandemic as well, mm-hmm. but it's just not the same. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about more about physical therapy and the stuff going on with that in a couple minutes, but you know, there's no reason that a uh, dietitian appointment needs to be in person. There's absolutely no reason. And I'd like to argue that there's a lot of doctor's visits that are being covered via telehealth and prescribing medication for sicknesses and things like that, just based on the person's symptoms. And that to me is a little crazy, but you're, but it's crazier that you're going to cover that telehealth and not a dietitian appointment telehealth where we're just talking. It's almost like a therapy visit. Um, we don't need, you know, to touch the patient, you know, feel anything on their body, do anything manually. And so it's just ridiculous to me mm-hmm. and all dietitians, I think. And, the, and you know, <laughs> the patients are upset. They're upset because mm-hmm. they've gotten used to, you know, the convenience. And, mm-hmm. and I understand if you want to do a copay, that's fine. You can have a copay for mm-hmm. telehealth because it is more convenient. Um, and I understand, you know, charging a little bit for that convenience factor. Mm-hmm. So that that makes sense to me. But, you know, where the, the patient does have some skin in the game. But, you know, just blanket, you know, $4,000 deductible is just going to really mm-hmm. limit limit who can take advantage of these services. And, and they're really important. And, you know... Um, some plans, especially Blue Cross has always been good with, or Blue Cross of North Carolina has been great with the number of visits they've given for nutrition counseling under the preventive plan. 
And we've seen that go down as well, of course, too. But I think a lot of people don't realize how important, even if it's you get 26 visits a year or 30 visits a year, people might say, oh my gosh, that is crazy. There is no reason that that should be covered. You're like, you need that many visits. But when you think about it, to make these long, sustainable changes, 26 visits is actually, we have a lot of patients that might use that if they're coming every other week or weekly in the beginning. And then the rest of the year, they come every other week because they need that support and that accountability and they, and it's working for them. And, you know, cause we eat all day long, all week long. Like there's many things that get in the way or every week is different. So you might need to check in with a dietitian every week based on what you had going on. Um, so, uh, this is just, we really yeah. hope and, not, not to see these changes. And we got to keep um, in mind that out of every dollar that is spent on healthcare, only about 25% of that dollar goes toward paying high value care providers. Mm. So every out of tw- out of every dollar, only 25 cents of that dollar goes to paying high high quality um, care providers. I believe it. 30 cents goes to the insurer or health system administration. Mm. So 30 cents just goes to paying the overhead for someone mm-hmm. to push the knobs around to decide who gets paid what and and you know keeping the you know pencil pushing going on that mm. and denying claims and all the rigmarole that we deal with on a daily basis trying to get benefits mm-hmm. um and then 45 cents of it goes to the following things fraud mm-hmm. mis- misdiagnosis and overtreatment high cost massive overtreatment spinal instant procedures high misdiagnosis areas, oncology, musculoskeletal, um, and that all ranges from you know 25 to 67% of that 45 cents, abusive and arbitrarily high prices, and uh, massive price failures. So you know, basically what we're talking about is there's a big difference in what we get paid and what a dietitian at a hospital gets, gets paid. And not, not, the, not the actual provider, Mm-hmm. but what the hospital gets paid for the very same service that we're providing to the client. And mm-hmm. it has to do with contracts and that, I mean, going into the hospital system, that is a whole nother podcast yeah. that we could talk about <laughs> on, a, on a later day. And I will say and they I, need to be, they need, they do physical findings. So they do nutrition focused physical assessments. They need to be in person. And they are, of course, if they're in the hospital system with patients, but Yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there's a whole thing with that, and, and we're going to bring in a special guest uh, coming up to to talk to us more about the hospital system and how really a hospital moving into your zip code is probably the worst, can be one of the worst things for your community, because all of a sudden, an empty bed is an opportunity to fill it, and they're going to fill it with somebody. And then the, the health care, those costs and all those charges get passed on to the insurance companies Mm. and those get passed on to the premiums that not only the people who live in that zip code have to pay, but more the local government and the state government. And so those costs get passed on. And then since over the past, I don't know how many years, the local budget that goes toward funding the health policy. So like funding the state health plan, funding Mm -hmm. healthcare, for these workers eats up a growing, a larger and larger chunk of the budget. So when your health plan goes up 10% every year, 
so does the state health plan. And that eats up, that's now 10%, that's not going toward a park. 10%, that's not going toward a school. That's Mm. not going toward prisons. That's not going toward um, things that are happening in your community. And so, you know, raising the cost of insurance isn't just affecting the individual. It is crushing local economies. It is crushing um, state and local government. And, you know, that's why there's so much going into healthcare reform. So you're saying you might feel safer with a hospital closer, but it's actually yeah, <laughs> it's actually yeah, worse for you. And it's really bad for any sort of individual provider like us. We happen to be right mm-hmm. near a big local hospital. And it was such an effort just to get the few insurance contracts that we have since we do mm-hmm. take insurance for nutrition counseling. It took us so long to get those insurance those insurance contracts because they say, oh, we already have so many uh, dietitians, dietitians in, your zip, in your zip code. And mm-hmm. we're like, well, you know, 75% of them work at the hospital across the street and we provide a much different, you know, experience and service and we supply different a different niche. You know, we're yeah. helping these patients long after they've been in the hospital. So we, yeah, to get a network, it is even, you know, we want to help people and serve patients nearby. And it was the biggest headache. Mm-hmm. I mean, trying to get a network and finally we did, but they kept saying, nope, your panel is not open right now for your zip code. Nope. You can't be in network. So, mm. and so, you know, this is something that you know, just to sort of finish up here, when you are deciding on your insurance, you need to look at the fine print. You need to look and see what's covered and ask questions. And if you don't like, you know, some of the things that you're seeing, if you feel like the benefits aren't lining up with your needs, you might need to make a different choice. And you might need to speak up to your employer and, you know, sort of divorcing <laughs> insurance from the employer is a whole nother Pandora's box that we need to talk about, but, um, you know, making, making decisions that are more in line with your actual needs than Mm -hmm. more than that are in line with just, you know, sort of the, that's your stage of life. And yeah, your employer insurance might seem on paper, like the best option for you, the cheaper option, just because you're paying a a cheaper monthly fee. But if it's not going to help you, if your family has a big need, yeah. Or you might have to consider going out of network, which Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about after we take a quick break. And we're back talking about troubling insurance trends we are seeing and how it's affecting our professional industries. We talked about in the first segment, declining telehealth services, specifically to registered dietitians, nutrition services, because that is one of our core services. Um, Now we are going to talk about what are we seeing in the physical therapy realm? Well, in the physical therapy realm, we're seeing a lot of different trends. Um, One that is just fascinating (laughs) is that we're seeing declining reimbursement rates along with the same time that we're seeing, you know, high inflation and high inflation in the economy, you know, uh, at the peak of inflation, it was somewhere in the eight or 9% range. Now it's back down a bit, but that was going hand in hand with a 9% cut of reimbursement from 2020 to 2024. So that's right off the top, 9% less money coming in for the same service that you're providing 
that all of your PTs who are now asking for more money mm-hmm. and, they hire, have doctorates. and everyone needs higher wages. We want to give these people raises. And, you know, how are they responding? Not to mention that there is now another plan cut that went in this year, a 3.4% cut. So you add those together, that's 12.4% over the last five years. Basically or four years, since the pandemic started. Since the pandemic started. And a 15% cut for PTA services. So that's physical therapy assistant services. A 15% cut right off the top. That happened all in one year. Wow. And that just means that these businesses, which the reality is, is that most most PT clinics operate on around a 15% profit margin. So you do the math. You're taking away 12, 12.4% for PTs, 15% for PTAs. And now, and you have, you know, inflation, 8%, 9%. And then you're, and then they operate on a 15% profit margin as is. Mm. So there is a crisis in physical therapy right now. And, and what is the response to that? Well, the response to that is the quality goes down. So it's, they're going to find a way to get the clients in. They're going to find a way. They're going to, the physical therapy clinics that take insurance. Now, to be clear, our company does not take insurance. And it's for a lot of these reasons that I'm about to discuss that we don't. Mm-hmm. But we have been what's called a cash-based or out-of-network PT practice since we opened in 2015. And we did that because we prioritize the patient experience over anything else, even us making more money. Because mm-hmm. we could certainly make more money if I was willing or if we were willing to sort of throw our ethical standards out the window and see three people at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, the PTCs, uh, one person for 10 minutes passes them off to a skill, a technician or a PTA to do exercises. And then I'm just like shouting at you from across the room while I'm working on the next person. Mm-hmm. And then I repeat that every, fi- every 15 minutes. Yeah. And so we don't do that at chain effect. We have one-on-one services the entire time so, with the PT. So what you think the response is also going to be get rid of some PTAs? I mean, well, yeah, that's interesting. So they were helping that they're helping do more patients at once. So that's one response. So this was a Medicare or a CMS cut of the reimbursement to uh, PTAs. And I'm, I'm not actually sure if the private insurances such as Blue Cross, Cigna, United have followed suit yet, but they usually do. So usually the private insurances lag behind Medicare and CMS and what they, and what they're willing to bill. So if you see someone over the age of 65 as a PTA, you're getting reimbursed 15% less. If the PT sees them, then you're getting, you're getting the full rate. And so the Mm. response is basically all Medicare patients are going to the PTs. Ah. None of them are going to the PTAs and that's fine. You might think, oh, that's good. Well, the, our seniors are getting better care. Mm-hmm. But the reality is in these underserved communities where there's high densities of Medicare-aged clients or Medicare-aged patients, there's not enough PTs to service them. Mm-hmm. They rely heavily on physical therapy assistants to, to take up the slack, to, to help the business hum along. Because in reality a lot of these patients aren't necessarily quite as complicated as your typical, 
you know, orthopedic clinic where you're, you know, treating someone for their low back pain. Some of these clients will really benefit from doing balance work, doing just general strengthening exercises so that they can walk and ambulate better. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of what happens with some of the much older populations, more of the like the further along geriatric populations. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are post-ops too. So, you know, you're getting coming back from a knee replacement. All of that is like pretty standardized care that a PTA can execute, you know, really well. Um, and so they're not, the PTAs are basically getting, they're getting taken out of the, of the equation. They're replacing these PTA jobs with physical therapy jobs. Mm, but how are they paying the physical therapy? Well, so physical therapists enough because we see hiring, you know, PTs and just all the student loans that, that a lot of physical therapists have from doctorate school. And I mean, they demand a high, high salary yeah. and it's growing. Yeah. I mean, when I, it's funny when I, when I was out of school, my first job, shout out to sports and more, which is now about what we're going to talk about. Actually, mm-hmm. the answer to your question is what are the, what are the clinics doing where they're, con- they're consolidating. Mm-hmm. They are getting mm-hmm. swallowed up by bigger practices um, creating a more unified experience and centralizing their HR and their billing mm-hmm. so that the smaller private practice clinics where you would see a lot of really passionate PTs live are now getting swallowed up by these by these larger ones. And so the one I used to work for, Sports & More, which had been around at the time I started in 2010, they had been already in business for like 12 years. Mm-hmm. And I went there specifically because they had one-on-one care with the patient for 45 minutes. They were trying to do it the right way. Doing it the right way. Evals were an hour, 45 minutes with the patient, one-on-one. Mm-hmm. We had 12 PTs in a room and you know everyone was working together. It was a great think tank. You could bounce ideas off of other PTs. And I learned a ton working there for five years. Um, but somewhere along the lines, we dropped down to 40 minutes. 40 minute appointments. Ah. Now, why do we do that? We went from 45 minutes to 40 because you can bill three units in 45 minutes. Well, you can also bill three units in 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And now if you line up three sessions of 40 minutes, that's basically an extra unit every two hours. Mm-hmm. If you do the math there. So, mm-hmm. it's But it takes a few minutes to kind of bring the patient back and take, yeah. talk to them. You know, there's a transition period, especially with something physical like that. So, Not but to tell mention me, the documentation that you yeah, have to do while you're with the patient. While you're with them. So, and so tell me, let's see, when we met and you were working there, you were doing ten, four 10-hour days yep. at 40 minutes for follow-ups. Yep. How many patients were you seeing in a day? I was seeing 15 patients a day. Whew. Yeah, but that was still one on one, and I was doing mm-hmm. those were ten hour days. But what I was saying is, I you know I started there making forty eight thousand out of school with my doctorate. It's more and, than you know, dietitians at that you know, time. <laughs> they you, they take they get you out of school and they're like, yeah, you're gonna make you're gonna make. Well, at that time it was like, yeah, you could make sixty five thousand, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's more money than I ever thought I was gonna <laughs> have ever, and. You know, I had this plan. When I got my first paycheck, I said, I'm going to go to Sullivan Steakhouse because I used to work there before I went to PT school. I'm going to take that paycheck and I'm going to just have a feast and order all the things and really blow it out of the water. And I got my first paycheck and I said, oh, I can barely pay my rent. Let me pay my uh, cable bill. Let me pay my rent. Let me pay my student loan. So, 
So yeah, so anyway, declining reimbursement rates. Yeah, PTs out of school now, I have a lot of PTs with one or two years experience. They're expecting mid-70s, 80s for pay. And they also want a great quality of life, which I want to give them the quality of life. And actually, we pay very competitive to those rates. But we we do that because we are a cash-based PT practice. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to offer that same thing to someone and we took insurance, one thing has to give. Either I'm paying them less and, and we're able to do one-on-one treatments, mm-hmm. or you're going to have to work with a, a technician or a physical therapy aide. And, and you see a lot And you're going to be seeing a lot more patients. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, a typical a typical eight hour day for a PT who's taking insurance, they see up at, on average about sixteen patients. Wow, up to twenty. Wow, a lot of those are evals too. And that's eighteen to twenty notes. Yeah. on top of that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So quality of life. I mean, they're 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 working long hours, and that's not that's not you know eight hours uh, or seven hours of of clinic time and treatment, and then one hour of documentation time. That's eight hours of seeing of seeing patients, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you're working through your lunch. You're grinding through your lunch to get those notes done. You're taking those notes home. They're piling up. Mm-hmm. Not to mention any sort of correspondence that you want to do with the doctor. So, so our our PTs were see maybe eight patients. It depends on how long they they choose to have. We're flexible with their yeah. days and their hours per day, as long as it's 40 hours a week, they can kind of make their own schedule based yeah. on patient demand, but maybe eight, uh, eight is eight hour long patients. Yeah. I mean, that's, eight hour day. that's a huge, that's a huge day at our clinic. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think our sort of expectation is that they see about 35 patients a week. So that's seven hours of treatment and then, you know, one hour of, you know, documentation time, mm-hmm. but our PT is also bonus at 25, 25 patients a week. So their tiered bonus starts kicking in at 25 patients. So yeah, if you want to see, you know, 40 patients, then you're going to be making a lot more in your tiered bonus Mm -hmm. than you would if you were seeing just 30. And so we, we incentivize that, um, at our clinic, but that's not happening. That's not happening everywhere. But the, the, the crazy thing is that, you know, who's going to suffer from these declining reimbursements? It's going to be Medicare. It's going to be our baby boomers who are really going to suffer because one, companies are going to go out of, they're going to drop Medicare. They're going to start saying, oh, no, we can't see a Medicare client for this slot. We can Mm -hmm. only see, and it's kind of unethical, but it does happen. We're going to only take private insurance for these slots. Mm. You're going to see um, just the wait times for um, a Medicare patient to get in that's going to stretch into the weeks and months. And then when can mm-hmm. you get back in? Oh, it's going to be two weeks for your follow-up and three weeks for your follow-up. And so well, what are they going to do in between yeah, while they're in pain yeah. or post-op? Or, and it's not just that. It is the the falls risks that Medicare age patients and what can happen. And, you know, you can reduce falls by a tremendous amount. And by reducing, by reducing, uh, a Medicare age patient from having a fall, you offset the total healthcare spending for that one particular person from between $61,000 and $91,000. Wow. That would save the whole healthcare industry $10 billion amongst just those 13.5 million Medicare beneficiaries. So who are, you know, they basically don't have access to PT. Mm -hmm. That sounds familiar. That sounds like 
nutrition counseling and yeah. what, what kind of costs that can prevent if, if we're preventing type 2 diabetes or, you know, heart disease with patients. Medicare beneficiaries who receive physical therapy after a fall are 50% less likely to visit the emergency room or be hospitalized for a follow-up injury in the next six months following that fall. 50%. Mm. Their half is likely to have to go to the emergency room. So the other half is going to the emergency room, mm-hmm. racking up huge bills. Mm-hmm. And we, we just talked about how the hospitals, I mean, they charge a lot, right? Right. Bennett had the, uh, the tubes. Remember when he had the, the tubes? Ear tubes. And we were charged two, two separate Mm-hmm. Two separate recovery room visits for a five-minute procedure. Mm-hmm. So he was in recovery. He was two minutes over. Yeah. I think the interval. Right. So it was zero to twenty-nine minutes mm. was one recovery room charge, mm-hmm. or zero to thirty, and then thirty-one minutes to an hour was the second recovery room charge. Mm-hmm. And we went down this whole rabbit hole because it was like it was thirty minutes on the dot. Like we could. We were doing the math. We were out of there. We were in there, out of there. It was a five-minute procedure. Anyone whose kid has had ear tubes, you know how quick it is. But yeah. It also depends on, okay, the nurse was bringing us back. And then and then I think- They forgot something. They forgot something. Then they had to go back and get a wheelchair for me to sit in and hold him because he was a baby. That was all taking time. Yeah, we didn't know time. We didn't know it was going to be a $2,000 $2,000 fee per 30 minutes in the recovery room. And then when we called- the, the hospital administrator says, what do you care? Your insurance is going to pay for it anyway. And we said, we said, we, we care because it's fraud. It's mm-hmm. fraud. And they said, they also had the audacity to tell me that, oh, it's our policy that everyone is in recovery for at least 30 minutes. And that's why. So you're not getting <laughs> out of there in that 29 to you know 30 minute. You're going to have that second recovery room charge. And we fought that to the hilt, you know, didn't get anywhere, but mm. we, we fought it. And so, you know, just lastly, Medicare beneficiaries who receive physical therapy after a fall were 39 less, 39% less likely to use opioids mm-hmm. in the six months following a fall. Mm-hmm. So we all know about the opioid pandemic and how it's crushing rural communities. Mm-hmm. And there's evidence, there's proof that physical therapy can blunt that. And so we're just seeing all these, it's just, it's just sad. So, so in a cash-based facility like us, I would say you see a lot of Medicare age patients. Well, hold on, because you, you could get me in trouble here. Okay, <laughs> so okay. we see Medicare age patients for services that are not covered by right, Medicare. Right, right. So health, you know, wellness visits, we do a lot of strength training with them in ways that are not deemed physical therapy benefits or physical therapy services. Mm-hmm. So that is the, that is the real difference that that we're having there. Well, and my point is they're able to come in frequently, build their strength, build, you know, so that we're preventing any sort of thing like falls happening right. or, you know, and they can get in weekly. And yeah. that's the difference too. If you're, you know, all these busy physical therapy clinics like have to fill the time to make enough money, have to see several people in every slot, they might not have the slots if, you know, to, to see patients regularly right. like they need to be seen. And the quality just goes down. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the reality is, and we talked about this in the beginning with telehealth, you need to put your hands on a patient. You know, they need that when you are working with them. So, you know, we need to do that hands-on work. We need to get them in the back. We need to load them. We need those in per, that in-person time. And I'm sorry, I was a technician. I was a physical therapy aide. 
I was not trained. I remember my physical mm. therapy, uh, my physical therapist that I was working under, Dennis, he, <laughs> he told me one time, because I was like modifying a couple treatment plans, doing some progressions, and he was like, no, don't ever do that because you don't know what you don't know. And I, at the time, was like, well, I know a lot. I'm, I'm an athlete. <laughs> like, I know all this stuff. Like, I've, I had, move. I've had anatomy. Like, I can understand how to work out. And he's, he said, no, you don't know what you don't know. Come back and talk to me after you've been to PT school and then you've worked in the field for a little bit. And you know what? He was dead on mm. because I had no idea what I didn't know. He and humbled you right there. He humbled me right there, but I needed it. And what that did was, you know, that's what that's what led me to down the path of, hey, we need to be the ones who are who are watching you do the exercises, teaching you how to do the exercises correctly. Right. The PTs need to be doing that, not these unscathed untrained, unlicensed, very well-intentioned workers who are physical therapy aides, who mm-hmm. I got a lot of great experience doing that, but I didn't need to be showing you how mm-hmm. to do this movement that is going to really affect you the rest of your life. Because mm-hmm. who they don't have the time to train them at these clinics. Exactly. They don't have the time because they're seeing three patients at the same time. So that is our impassioned <laughs> overview. Of we could our, say a lot more, I think, but we are industries. running out of time. But, um, so, you know, just in general, you know, this is all something that again is going to have to be dealt with, uh, through Congress. If we can ever get some of these bills passed, it's going to make a big difference. Um, so think about that when you are choosing your, your insurance coverage and you may consider going out of network because a lot of these plans are high deductible plans. Mm -hmm. That means that you are paying 100% of, of the, of the fee to see that, uh, to go to your physical therapist, which Mm -hmm. can be $150. Our buddy over at Duke, he says that some of their patients are getting charged $300 for an outpatient visit. Wow. $300 using their insurance because it goes to their deductible. They have to cover the deductible before Mm. they get paid. Where cash rates are much, much less than Cash rate is transparent. Like right now our cash rate is $124 an hour. So, mm-hmm. and 83 for a half hour. And that includes everything, dry needling, no upcharges, very straightforward, transparent pricing. And we do that. We're able to provide that because we have streamlined our billing process. Mm-hmm. We're not paying a lot for a whole billing team. We're mm-hmm. not having to, you know, seek out people long after the fact to get paid when the insurance company doesn't pay. So if you have a high copay, if you, you know, if you're going to go see a PT and you really just get 15 minutes of the PT by themselves directly working with you directly and you're paying a $75 copay, a hundred dollar copay for a specialist visit, like that was our plan last year, then you might consider getting an hour one-on-one with a PT in your local area at a cash-based business. Yeah. You got to investigate it because it's out there. See what's, what works best for you and what's truly worth it. Cause our time is worth a lot, but also you want to receive that care that you really, that's valuable. That you need. Yeah. Yeah. You, you might as well with your time pay maybe $25 more than your hundred dollar copay to work with a physical therapist and get for an better hour. quicker. You and might not save to, money in the long run. Not to mention, it's not like we don't help people get benefits from their insurance too. I mean, we help them submit super bills so they can get those out of network benefits. Um, but man, I tell you, we can go on and on about this. <laughs> another time. Uh, we'll another we'll time. have another. We're going to come back to it. One about this. So. so in the meantime, if you have any questions, please shoot us an email, taylor at chain effect. Caroline at chain effect.us. I have the dot us on mine too. 
And we want to hear from you. We want to hear about some of your troubling insurance woes, things that you're dealing with, any questions that you'd like us to answer. And, uh, and maybe any insider knowledge you may have. That's right. That's right. We, we, we always draw from our, from our client base. It's amazing what they know out there. Yeah. So until next time, I'm Dr. Taylor Pope. I'm Caroline Pope. And we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye.